Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're really so glad that you're here today. You made it through this week, uh, first week of school for Columbia and Richmond counties, and and uh, Aiken starts, I think, next week or so. And and some of you are singing that Christmas song. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Oh, it's great to have the kids back in school. Now, those of you that are sending kids off to college for the first time, you're not singing that, but you're wiping away the tears. And let me say, I get it. This is a hard time. I talked to three different families this morning in the first service that they're sending off their kids off to college, and it, it's traumatic. And uh, I'll never forget when uh, Patty and I dropped our oldest off at Lee University. We uh, left Cracker Barrel that, that day and uh, had breakfast with him. Then uh, Patty, Sarah, and I got in the car and we drove um, from Cleveland. And I'm telling you, nobody said anything in the car from Cleveland, Tennessee down to Dalton, Georgia. Nobody said, just wiping tears. We cried uh, for that first second because it was like traumatic. Now, let me say this. To those of you that are sending kids off to college, it's going to be okay. They're going to make it okay. And in four years from now, you get a pay raise. Seriously, you get your kids out of college and you say, you mean I can drink tea at the restaurant now? I don't have to drink water. Life gets better. So anyway, I know, um, you know, right after I graduated college, Patty and I uh, took a church job in Birmingham and it was the 80s and everything was just about uh, success and, and, you know, the 80s were big and, and I was introduced to a company I call Successories, and some of you know about that company, but they do motivational posters to try to encourage people in their work. If you've ever uh, been in an insurance office or a timeshare presentation or a car salesman, uh, you'll see these success statements. Here's some, uh, uh, a few of them, like attitude. Attitude is that little thing that makes a, a difference, and we see that. It gives us encouragement to uh, go throughout the day, and then here's the next one. It's on uh, integrity. You know, wisdom is knowing the path to take. Integrity is taking it. And we put this on our wall and we say, yes, that's what I'm going to be. Here's another one. It says motivation. Don't get discouraged. It's often the last key in the bunch that opens the lock. And that just warms our heart. You know, we see uh, statements like that that kind of give us energy. But do you know um, who their number one competition is. It's not Hallmark. It's not American greeting cards. It's not even the success shop. But I think the number one competitor to to successories is a a site called despair.com. Have you ever been to despair.com? It gives you not the motivational statement, but it takes that concept and gives you the uh, the despair, uh, despairing look. For instance, there's a poster that says, instead of winning, it says defeat. Every, uh, for every winner, there are dozens of losers. Odds are you're just one of them. <laughs> How about this one? Losing. You know, if at first you don't succeed, failure, failure just may be your style. And, of course, you've got the humiliation one. You know, the harder you try, folks, yeah, it's the dumber you look. 
And, and finally, here's this one, hazards. You know, um, <clears throat> there's an island of opportunity in the middle of every difficulty. If you miss that, though, you're pretty much, you're doomed. <laughs> no doubt that Despair.com is making a lot of money uh, making fun at the, uh, the success uh, industry. Over the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about a group of people that understood what it meant to be in a period or a state of despair. Uh, And the story is told in the Old Testament, the book of Ezekiel. And it focuses on um, a group of people that understood what it meant to live on the mountaintop. uh, When everything was going good, when their influence was expanding and their domination was expanding. But all of a sudden, things turned around. I'm talking about the children of Israel. And the children of Israel, during the reign of King David, uh, they were expanding like nobody's business. And it was uh, really the high water mark of their existence. And their story is told a lot throughout the Old Testament. And we read their story because oftentimes we see our story in their story. So that's why we look to the Old Testament. And we look at King David, and even to this day, if you go to Jerusalem today, it's called the City of David. So today, 2018, they're looking back uh, to centuries ago for their high water mark. Now, David turned, uh, passed on and turned the kingdom over to his son Solomon. He continued to grow it. But then Solomon's son took over, and things started to unravel. And... Uh, Things started to unravel because they rejected God and they turned their attention um, uh, to idols and pagans and so forth. And as a result of that, uh, God sent them to a period of judgment. It was during this period of judgment that God raises up a prophet named Ezekiel to speak to them. to To explain to the people, this is why these bad things have happened to you. Okay? This is why the bad things have happened, but I'm telling you, there's better days ahead. And so we pick up the story in Ezekiel chapter 37. And God at this point has given Ezekiel a vision. This vision is for the children of Israel to help them get through this season and to to go to a better place. We pick it up in In Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1, said, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. Now, it was full of bones, and he led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Now, this is interesting here because I believe this was a supernatural event. Notice this, it says that the hand of the Lord was upon me. You know, oftentimes when we think about the hand of the Lord being on us, we think that equates to good things, right? We think about the hand of the Lord, that means that we're going to have some type of amount of transfiguration experience, you know. It's going to be some kind of glory around. The hand of the Lord is on us. But notice this, it says the hand of the Lord brought me out And set me in the middle of a valley. Oftentimes we equate valleys as low periods and difficulties. And and maybe some of you uh, have been in a valley before. It seems like that you've been stuck here in the valley. And so the hand of the Lord was upon him and set him in a valley. 
Now, this is interesting. And this is chapter 37. And we know that uh, the word valley in the Hebrew language uh, actually means a broad stretch of land. Now, the interesting thing is that this is the same word valley that the writer used in chapter 3. Now, what's going on in chapter 3? Once again, we see Ezekiel had a vision of going to a valley. Now, in chapter 3, this valley uh, was described. He said he went out into the valley and the presence of God was so strong. The glory of God. Now, when we talk about the glory of God, we're talking about the presence of God. It really means peace and wholeness and joy and strength. All those things you get from the, the presence of the Lord. Ezekiel said when he went out to the valley, to the plain, he said the presence of the Lord, the glory of the Lord was so strong. He said, I just fell. I fell to the ground. I was slain in the spirit. So it's interesting. Now we roll the pages ahead to uh, to chapter 37. He is once again transferred to a valley, but this time he's not seeing the glory of God. He is seeing a valley full of dead, dry bones. And when we think about that, it represents a group of people that have lost hope. They've lost energy. They've lost, lost their, uh, their lives. And, and it says dry bones and that they have been in this state for an extended period of time. The good times are no more. The glory days are over. Have you ever been through a season like that? Where you feel like that the glory days are over. You look back to a time maybe when you were uh, in high school or maybe you were in college or you were uh, over here or there. And you think, man, that was the best part of my life. Those are the glory days. And you're living, always looking in the rearview mirror. The glory days are over. That's how they felt. The bones were dry. That they, This defeat had been on the books for a long time. There was no hope. It was over. It just cannot get any worse than this. Now, Ezekiel at this point, he is walking back and forth among the bones. And when he is walking back and forth among the bones, God asked him a question. He said, Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? Can these bones be restored? Can strength and movement and energy and awareness and and responsiveness somehow reappear? Can such a miracle take place? Can these bones live? Now, Ezekiel responded and said, Oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know that. Oh, sovereign Lord, uh, uh, this is so much bigger than I am. I can't make these bones live. And I don't know anybody in this community that can make these bones come back to life either. Only you know whether these bones can live. Only you, God, know that. Then God... Ask Ezekiel to step out in faith. Verse 4. He said, Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy to these bones. And I want you to say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. 
This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. Now, it's interesting. He is in this valley of dry bones. Can you imagine how stupid he must have felt when uh, God said, I want you to speak to the dry bones. Really? You want me to speak to the dry bones? So many times in our lives... God says to us that hey, I want you to step out in faith. And I realize that you feel like your life is over and your best days are behind you. But you've got to take a step forward. Oftentimes, we speak to situations. And when we speak or take that step, it is like a step of faith. It is saying, God, only you can help us get through this. Only you. And at times we have to look at negative situations and we have to call out the good. We have to call out the positive. In fact, the Bible says we call those things that be not as though they had already been accomplished. We are speaking, we're prophesying to dead, dry bones, and we're saying, come, uh, let there be life in them. I would imagine that he felt pretty scared or stupid. To speak and prophesy to those dry bones, but he did it anyway. He simply obeyed the Lord. And here's the first takeaway from this story God asks us to obey even when it doesn't make sense. God asks us to obey, simply obey. Are you willing to obey him? Are you willing to do what God asks you to do? That's a real question. And so many times we, we think about the big things and we're, we're thinking, oh, God wants me to move to a, a continent far away and, and be a missionary. And we worry about those things. You know, I worry about just those decisions that I have to make tomorrow. Am I willing to obey in those situations? Am I willing just to live out my faith in the real world tomorrow as I face the people that I will come in contact with? But God asks us to obey, and this is where faith comes in. And there are times when you step out and it just simply doesn't make sense. Logically, it does not make sense. But we have to learn to trust God, that God is going to... um, To take us to the place where we need to be. And so many times God is working behind the scenes and we don't even realize it. God is working behind the scenes trying to uh, lead us into the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. But, But too many times we don't see his hand and yet we get frustrated because we don't trust him. Could it be in your life that that closed door that you're so frustrated about, you're so angry about, that you cannot believe that you were laid off, or you cannot believe that you didn't get this job, or you cannot believe that this didn't happen? And the reason that it did not happen is that God supernaturally closed that door to protect you from uh, something that you did not need to face. Could it be that God has a better plan, a bigger plan for you, and that you had set your sights on this when God has something here for you? 
that we have to come to the place where we honestly believe that God has our best interest in mind. And God is seeking uh, to lead us to a place that is going to be better than we even imagine. But too many times we push away from that. Because we can't see it. And God is saying, trust me. Simply obey me. This is what Ezekiel did. So he said, I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise. There was a noise. There was a rattling. There was a sound. And the bones came together bone to bone. These these bones had been scattered throughout the, the valley. And they were jumbled like pieces of a puzzle. And then at his word, those puzzles started to come together. Bone touching bone touching bone. And it happened with a sound. And before his eyes, he could see skeletons start to form. Where that thousands of bones now, he said, I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them. And from the inside out, these skeletons were transformed into fully human bodies. Yet something's still missing here. He sees these bodies. He had spoken God's word. He had prophesied. But it wasn't over yet. You know, I was thinking about that this week. You know, we're in 21 days of prayer. And I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Whether you come here uh, and join us at 7 o'clock in the morning. The church is actually open at 6. Or if you do that at home. There's something about prayer that oftentimes... I'll pray and then I'll start to see God open a door and God to start to move in my life. But the prayer is partially answered, but not completely answered. And there's times in my life where I think, okay, that's better than nothing. And I just accept that. I think God often teaches us in those situations that we need to pray a second time. I think about Jesus. He was uh, talking to a blind man. And he laid hands on this blind man's eyes and he prayed for him. And Jesus asked this man a question. Well, can you see any better? Can you see? He said, well, I can see now. But it's like uh, men are trees walking around. In other words, my eyesight's better, but it's still blurry. And Jesus prayed a second time and the man was healed. Sometimes we have to pray a second time. Sometimes we have to come to the place where we seek the Lord. Everything is not just instantaneously, but we learn to, uh, to pray through a situation. So here, uh, Ezekiel had prophesied. Now these bones had come together, but there was something missing. What was missing? There was no life inside of them. There was no spirit inside of them. There was no breath inside of them. In verse 8, it said, I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and the skin covered them, but there's no breath in them. Now, when you think about breath in the uh, Hebrew writings, the word breath and wind and spirit come from the same Hebrew word, the word ruach. When it talks about the spirit of God uh, uh, blew over the, the earth, it was the ruach of God. And so he's saying that there's no spirit, there's no presence inside of them. 
He goes on to verse 9 and says, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say it. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath, and from the four winds breathe unto these slain so that they can live. Let the breath of the Almighty, let the Spirit, let the wind of God. Now, I realize that this is a a deeper history lesson that so many of us want to wrestle with. But when we think about the breath of God constantly moving, that same concept happens in the New Testament on the day of Pentecost when the wind of God's Spirit swept across the earth and was open to every believer. The wind of the Spirit, the, the Ruach, the presence of God. And so that's why we gather for 21 days of prayer and we often say, God, get the junk out of our lives and fill us with your presence. Let your wind blow over us. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. So in verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered. And there came to life and stood up on their feet and it was a vast army. It was a vast army that was ready to do battle. And in an awesome moment, God gave Ezekiel a message to carry with him and to speak and to explain this to the people. He said, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open up your graves and I'm going to bring you up from them. And I'm going to bring you back to the land and I'm going to put my spirit in you and you will live. That's what he's saying to us. I'm going to open up your graves. Those dead places in your life, those places that you thought there's no hope that that relationship will ever turn around. There's no hope that I'll have that opportunity. There's no hope that I will ever be used in that particular way. Those things are dead. That is of a former life. And God is saying, I'm going to open up your graves. I'm going to give life to those dead places. You see, the same power that raised these dead, dry bones back to life and breathed the Spirit of God in them is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And that same power is here today. And that power is available to me. And that power is available to you. And you say, what does that mean? Very very practically, what does that mean? What does it mean to have the power of God living inside of me? It means three things. First of all, God gives you the power through Jesus Christ to start over. God gives you the power to start over. Do you ever wish that you could just start over? Man, I do. I look back maybe at a project at work or maybe a project at home or or maybe there's seasons when you're raising your kids and you think, man, I wish I could do that over again. I would not let that happen. I think all of us uh, look back and say, man, I would do something differently if given the opportunity. Several years ago, Sarah bought a house and uh, Patty and I, you know, we watch a lot of HGTV. You know, you watch enough of Chip and Joanna, then all of a sudden you think you can do that. (laughs) Yeah, I can do that. And so we bought the house, I mean, Sarah bought the house, and we went over there, and one, one Sunday afternoon after church, you know, we were looking at, at this wall here, and we're thinking, I wonder if that is a, a load-bearing wall. Let's just take it out and see. 
We did call somebody and said, do you think it is? They said, oh, I don't think it is. And so we took that out and, and uh, took that wall down and we were really feeling, you know, it's like demo day. And so we're doing the demo day. We're taking down the panel and taking down the wall and, and uh, had a blast doing all of that. It was, it was harder than you think, okay? They make it look easy. It's harder than you think, especially if you're unskilled and uneducated. And so that was us. But we had a lot of passion. Uh, but there came a point where, you know, when you take the walls down, there's this like this 12-inch um, opening in the sheetrock where the wall was. Okay, and so let's say the wall's, I don't know, 8 or 10 feet long, and then it goes. And, and so you've got this hole there. And I think, okay, there's no good, I mean, you can fix that. All you need is some sheetrock and some mud. You know, you can do magic with mud. The mud is called, is joint compound, okay, joint compound. And so we started, I put it up there, and I taped it, and I mudded it, and I, and I sanded it, and I mudded it, and I sanded it, and we painted it, and we were quite, we're pretty proud. But here's the problem. After about two or three weeks later, I look up, and there's a crack. And a few weeks later, there's a, that crack gets bigger and bigger. And as the, the season went on, it is very noticeable and I would go over to her house and I would just have severe regret that I didn't take the entire sheet uh, piece of sheetrock down and put the whole thing up instead of trying to patch something maybe some of you are like that you look back at seasons in your life and you have regret that you took the shortcut instead of doing the hard work that's what I did we just wanted to patch this section but we were not connected uh, to the stud. We're not connected uh, to that foundation. We just took a shortcut. You know what? And you regret that and you hate that and, and I get it. But let me say this. God specializes in new beginnings. And you can't change your past. But I believe that God can change you. You can't change your past, but I believe that God can change you. And God wants to restore you, and he wants to give you life. And he gives you the power to start over. Here's the second thing. He gives you the power to keep going. And that's what some of you need to hear right now. That Jesus is not only here to give you starting power, but he is here to give you staying power. Where you can just keep going. Life can be tough. I mean, we live in a broken world and we have stress and we have pressure and we have one problem after another problem. And as soon as one problem is done, we think we're okay. Oh, we've got another one coming. Because that's what the world is like. In fact, Jesus said it this way in John 16 and verse 33. He said, in this world, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But you can be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Jesus is going to give you the ability to get through what you're going through. I love the words of Paul in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's say that together. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You need to take that word and get it in your heart. 
You need to get it in your mind. You may need to plaster it on your bed, uh, on your bathroom mirror, or maybe your dashboard of your car, just to be reminded that you have the strength from the Lord. And you can get through this. It, it's, it won't be painless. It's not going to be quick. But God is going to use the mess that you're in. He's going to use it for your good. And in the meantime, don't be foolish and don't be naive. But trust uh, that with God's help, you will get through this. Put one foot in front of the other and start walking. Step out in faith and just walk. Interesting thing. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25... He says, if, uh, and those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. He goes on to say, if we live in the spirit, let us there walk in the spirit. Now, the Greek word for walk is very ordinary. It means going from one place to another. It's in present tense, though. And it actually means to keep on walking. It means that if we're going to walk in the spirit, we need to keep own walking in the Spirit. The walk in the Spirit means that they were going to let our conduct be directed by God's Spirit. It's going to, to allow His power to guide us in every way. Now, the interesting thing is this. When you, the idea of walking, to me, gives me the idea of something very slow. Walking is just very routine. It's slow. If you want to get somewhere fast, go get in a car. Or at least get on a bicycle. But to walk means that it's one foot in front of the other, in front of the other, and you do that. And I think he's given us a picture of spiritual maturity. That this walk of faith is going to be one foot in front of the other. That he's going to give us the power to stay in the game. He's going to give us the power to get through the problem. But we've got to stay focused and just put one foot in front of the other and continue to walk. You may not get there as quick as you want to get there, but just walk, just go, just take that step, just keep going. Walking is going to get you from, uh, where, from where you are to where you need to be, and you need to trust that God is going to give you the strength to take that next step. I said there's three things. Here's number three. God gives you the power to finish life confidently. Now, after the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus met with his disciples for about six weeks. And he was preparing these guys for their next step, their work, for their ministry. Now, when these 40 days were up, Jesus gathered them um, on the mountain there in Galilee. And when the disciples uh, came there, they didn't realize that Jesus was about to give them his very last words. And then he was going to ascend. They didn't know. They were just gathering. But they, he was speaking their last words. You know, last words are always important. You know, when a loved one dies, one question that family members often say is, did he have any last words? Did she have any last words? Because the last words at a person, the end of a person's life typically reflect those things that are closest to their heart. And so when we think about that context, what were the last words of Jesus? Jesus is about to ascend into heaven and he has 
some famous last words. It comes from Matthew chapter 28 and 20. And he said, surely I am with you always to the end of the age. I am with you. I am with you. You can be confident. I am with you. You have got this. You're not going to be faced, facing this problem alone. You're not going to be facing this by yourself. You've got this because I am with you. And that's what God was saying to Ezekiel and the children of Israel. He said, I'm going to give you my spirit. That those dry bones can awaken with God's power. And those point, uh, those uh, seasons of despair and discouragement are not going to be your last will and testimony. But God is going to raise you up. And God is going to give you the strength. And God is going to give you the power. But you've got to take that step of faith. And you've got to put one foot in front of the other. And you've got to believe that he's going to work out the situation. Because the Spirit of God is not only in this place, but the Spirit of God lives in you. And when His Spirit lives in you, you have enough. You have enough. You can get through this. But the problem is, we don't rely on His Spirit. We don't invite His Spirit to lead us. We don't trust in Him. Let me say this. Let's change today. And let's just cry out and say, God, I need you. And maybe you don't know how to pray. And maybe prayer is foreign to you. I'm telling you, you don't have to be, it doesn't have to be difficult. It can be sometimes two-word prayers that, that make all the difference. Like, God, help me. Help me. Save me. Forgive me. Heal me. Strengthen me. What is it that you need the Lord to do in your life? When you look back over your life and you feel like the glory days are over, let me say this, that through the help of the Lord, God is here with resurrection power to resurrect that dead dream, to resurrect that dead life, to give you energy that you can press through, that you can get through this. There's no problem that's too big for God. You just got to give it over to him. So are you ready? I want to pray for you. Our time's up, but it's not, we've got time to pray. So what is it that you need the Lord to do in your life? I want you to think about that a moment, in a moment. And then as we pray, I just want you to give it over to him. Let's stand for a moment of prayer. To those of you that have never made a decision to follow Jesus, today is your day. Today's your day to say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, forgive me. Say, Jesus, make me into the person you'd have me to be. Give it over to him. You ready to pray? Let's pray. Father, I pray that your presence would be strong in this room. Lord, I pray for the families right now that are suffering and struggling. I pray for those individuals that are overwhelmed and they're emotionally devastated. I pray for those individuals that have been laced with uh, addictions and sin. I pray, God, that you would come and you would bring freedom. 
God, we look back over this story about the dead and the dry bones and how uh, with one word they came back to life. I pray that in the same way that your spirit would sweep across this auditorium and let life be restored to, to broken hearts and let life be restored to broken families and let life be restored to broken careers and let your spirit move in this place, God. We thank you, God, for what you're doing and what you're going to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.